Hi guys, today we're going to be reading Tangerine, and I really hope you guys get used to this, and I hope you enjoy it, because it's a really interesting story, because we're reading this in class right now, and sorry if you hear any cracky voice. Tangerine. The house looked strange. It was complete, completely empty now, and the door was flung wide open like something wild had just came from it, like it was an empty two-story tomb of some runaway zombie. Mom called out to me, take the bag, Paul. I want, I want to have one last look around, I said. I just did. I didn't see anything. Well, maybe you didn't look everywhere. I'll be just, I'll just be a minute. I looked everywhere. Wait for me out by the car, please. We can't have the new owners thinking we left the mess behind. I picked up the garbage bag and hauled it to the curb. We'd already packed up our sibling, our sleeping bags, suitcases, and two folding chairs. Honestly, wedged into the back of Mom's Volvo wagon. Not only this ten-gallon self-tying lemon-scented garbage bag remained, and we planned to toss it into the dumpster behind the Seven Eleven. But first, Mom had to make sure what I didn't overlook anything. She was worried that the people who bought our house, people who we who we've never met, will find a McDonald's Rizzle stick and think less of us. Once we dump this garbage bag, this will be it. This will be it. That will be the last evidence that the Fisher family ever lived in Houston. Dad and my brother Eric are already gone. They've been leaving. They've been living in Florida for a week now with with the sleeping bags, suitcases, and chairs. They that they stuffed into Dad's Range Rover. The rest of our furniture were furniture left yesterday, professionally packed by two guys who came to really hate Mom. By now, it would be over halfway to our new address, a place called Lake Windsor Downs in the Tangent County, Florida. I set the garbage bag down and leaned against the station wagon, staring east, staring east. Directly into the rising sun. I'm not supposed to do that because my glasses are so thick. My brother Eric once told me that if I ever looked directly into the sun with these glasses, my eyeballs would burst into flame like dry leaves under a magnifying glass. I don't believe that, but I turned back around anyway and I looked west down our street at the receding line of black mailboxes. Something about them fascinated me. I leaned my chin, my chin against one of, the, against the top of the station wagon and continued to stare. An odd, familiar feeling came over me like I had forgotten something. What was it? What did I need to remember? Somewhere behind me, a car engine started up, and the scene came back to me. I remembered a black metal mailbox on a black metal pole. I was riding my back my bike home at dinner time, heading east 
down this street, the sun setting behind me. I heard a loud roar like an animal's, like a predator snarling. I swiveled my head around, still pedaling, and looked back. All I could see was the red sun, sun, huge now, setting right over the middle of the street. I couldn't see anything else, but I could hear the roar even louder now. And I recognized it. The roar of an engine revved up to the to the full throttle. I tilted up my sports goggles to unfog them. Then I turned back and saw it. A black car. Just an outline of fur at first, then clear and detail it came right out of the sun. The sun. I saw a man hanging out of the passenger's window, hanging way out. He had something pulled over his face, some kind of ski mask, and he was holding a long metal baseball bat in both hands like a murder weapon. Then the gears around the tires squealed, and the car leaped forward at an impossible speed. I swiveled back, terrified, and pedaled as hard as I could. I heard the roar of the car closing in on me, louder and louder like it had smelled its spray. I shot a glance into my bike mirror, and there it was, half a block behind, then ten years, yards, then one yard. The man in the back in the ski mask leaned farther out the window. He put out the bat backing up. Then he brought it forward in a mighty swing. Right at my head, I dove into the right landing on my face in the grass, just as the baseball bat smashed into the mailbox, exploding right off its bow. Voices inside the car screamed, animal free screamed, as the crushed black metal clattered across the street. I scrambled back up. I left my bike there, its wheels spinning, and ran for home. I ran in absolute terror. Listening for the for the sound of the car scrolling back and turning around to come after me again. I burst through the front door, crying hysterically. My goggles were twisted back around my head. I spun around and looking for my mom. Then mom and dad were both in front of me, holding on to my hands, shoulders, trying to calm me down trying to understand the word I was saying over and over. It was Eric. I was saying, Eric. Dad finally understood. He looked right into my eyes and asked, What do you mean by Eric? Eric what, Paul? I stammered out, Eric, he tried to kill me. Mom and Dad let go of my shoulders and stepped back. They looked at each other puzzled, then raised up, raised his arm up and pointed to the right into the dining room. There was Eric. He was sitting at the dining room table. He was doing his homework. Dad eyeballed me for a second and went out front to look for my bag. My bike. Eric called over. There he goes, blaming me again. Mom took me into the kitchen and got me a glass of water. She ran her finger under, my, under the strap of goggles and slipped them off. Then she said, Honey, you know how it is when, with your eyesight. You know you can't see very well. And that was that. But I can see. I can see everything. I can see things my mom and dad can't or won't. Mom's voice broke into the, my remembrance. Paul, 
My chin was still pressed against the car. She was standing next to me. Paul, are you with us? I leaned back as she bipped the auto alarm and opened the tailgate. You're remembering all the good times you had here, aren't you? I shook my head to clear it. I reached to pick up the garbage bag. My arms felt weak. I muttered, I was remembering. I was remembering something that happened. She held up a white cigarette butt and said, You don't know anything about this, do you? No. No. I just, I found it in the garage beside, behind the water heater. I opened up the garbage bag enough for her to slip it inside. Good work, Mom. She walked quickly back up to the house, laid her keys inside the foyer, and put out the door from the clothes. And that was that. The keys were locked in. The zombies were locked out, and we were on our way. So basically in this chapter, Paul is remembering something that happened to him before they started moving. And this occurred when he, um, someone was chasing him, trying to hurt him, and he thought he was his brother. So this is basically trying to say that Paul is scared of his brother, Eric. We don't know yet who Eric is, who really is, but once we get into part one, we will find out next week, Tuesday. Stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.